Over the last 2,000 years, people have said a lot about Jesus. But who did he say he was? Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we will be looking at the Gospel of John and specifically the statements Jesus made saying, I am. These verses reveal his character in a powerful way. We hope you enjoy. As we begin, I just want to start off and say thank you to our worship team for being here today and leading us in worship. That really was awesome. And so um, we've spent the last five weeks in a series where we've been going through most of the I am statements of Jesus. And, and Pastor Rob will finish that sermon series this Sunday morning on Easter, and we're excited about that. Uh, but these are all statements that Jesus has made about himself. And so Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus also said, I am the vine, which we looked at two weeks ago. And lastly, last Sunday, Pastor Rob looked at the passage where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so these are all statements that Jesus made about himself. But as I begin today on this Good Friday sermon, I I want us to think about what someone else had to say about Jesus. I I want to begin with the words of John the Baptist. You see, John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus. Elizabeth and Mary were relatives, and so that makes John the Baptist and Jesus relatives. And so John was probably just a few months older than Jesus, and yet John the Baptist was no ordinary man. God really had a plan and a mission for his life right from the start. And so I think he knew that there was something different about his life. And so this is actually what John said about himself. He was quoting from Isaiah 40, but he says, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. And like I mentioned, that's a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. And so John knew that his job was to prepare the way for Jesus. He was, as we call it, he was Jesus' opening act. And so in John chapter 1, we read of, of John the Baptist and Jesus encountering each other, and John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, and this is what he says about Jesus. In John chapter 1, verses 29 through 31, he says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. You know, the key words that John shared in those verses, we find in actually in verse 29, where he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I wonder if anybody even understood what John the Baptist was saying as he said those words. And yet, as you look at the Old Testament, In the book of Leviticus, we read all about all these different offerings that the Israelites were supposed to offer. We read about the burnt offering, the grain offering, the fellowship offering, and the sin offering. And all of them, except for the grain offering, for obvious reasons, had the same requirement. They all required an animal with no defect. You know, in the Old Testament, as they they were offering their offerings, God wasn't interested in an offering that consisted of anything less than their best. And I think John recognized the purpose of Jesus, and he recognized that Jesus was going to be that final offering, that final offering that had no defect 
so that God will take away the sins of the world. And that's really what we remember today on Good Friday, that Jesus was and is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world once and for all. And so John knew his purpose for living, and he knew why Jesus was here. And 2,000 years later, we come together today to remember that Jesus is still the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and I want us to look today at these events through the eyes of the Gospel of John. Uh, the Gospel of John is where we've been hanging out for all of these I Am statements of Jesus in this It Is I series. And so if you look at chapters, John chapters 13 through 17, they're all Jesus laying the groundwork for what happens from chapters 18 through 21. Jesus is having his last days with his followers, and he's doing the best to prepare them for the coming days. But there's no doubt that they could not have possibly understood everything that he was trying to say. You know, if you were to go through those chapters again, in John chapter 13, Jesus teaches them about humility, and he shows them humility by washing their feet. And he also tells them in that chapter that he's going to be betrayed, of which I'm sure they didn't get. In John 14, he comforts his disciples. He comforts them with the future and the promise that another was going to come, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And in John chapters 15 and 16, he's given them his final instructions. And I can only imagine as John 15 and 16 is playing out in real time, Jesus had so much to say and realized he had such a short amount of time to say it in. And then in John chapter 17, we read about Jesus praying. We read about Jesus praying for himself. He prays for his disciples. And he prays for all those who will believe in their message. And so when we get to John chapter 18 and 19, we're reading about the day's events of today. We're reading about the events of the cross. And, and you know, as I was thinking about this Good Friday sermon, I was thinking, I said, you know, Good Friday isn't really a day to get cute with a sermon or, or a bunch of illustrations. Because for us as Christians, it's a day to remember what Jesus did for us. And so I'm going to read the events of Good Friday from John chapter 18 and 19. And what I would encourage you to do is, is to listen and to follow along in your Bibles however you want to. You, you can be looking at your Bible and reading it with me. You can be just sitting there in your home, on your couch, or wherever you are. Uh, you can just sit there and close your eyes. But I want you to, to be sitting there and thinking about these events, thinking about what really happened. And so I'm going to start in John chapter 18, starting in verse 1. It says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked, who is it? You want. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with him. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I told you that I am he. Jesus answered, If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. 
Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Let's skip down to verse 19. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him, still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. And now let's get down to verse 28. It says, then the, then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everything on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against them, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. And going into chapter 19, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die. But he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, listen to this. He says, you would have no power over me. If it were not given to you from above, therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out. 
and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as a stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was a day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared that fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now complete and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it. Put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was a day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews didn't want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have his legs broken and bodies take down, taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen to so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. And so we've read the story of Jesus being arrested and charged and crucified. And so this morning, or today as we think about this, the question for us is this, what, what do we learn? What are the lessons for us to learn? What is the message of the cross for us today? And there's a lot of different lessons that we can learn, but there's just three simple ones that I want to share with you today. The first one is this. The cross is a reminder of the seriousness of sin. The cross is a reminder of the seriousness of sin. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his, his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We're told in that passage that our sins have separated us from God. And that's such a serious problem. 
But then in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have this problem because of sin. We all have a serious problem. But it also says we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And this is the key little section of sentences here. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. Romans lets us all know that we are all sinners, but the key word is again, he presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Sin separated us, but Jesus took our place. He paid the price for our sins, and that is good news. That is good news, my friends, as you're listening to this. Jesus took our place. Jesus paid the price for our sins. That's why almost 2,000 years later, we're still remembering the events of Good Friday because it's such a big deal. Jesus took our place, and as bad as our sin is, there isn't any reason... Okay, as bad as our sin is, there isn't any need for any of us to be paying the eternal price for it. Jesus has already paid the price. None of us have to pay that price. Now, Jesus' death isn't going to get us out of earthly consequences for our sins, but this earth is just temporary. Jesus has made an eternal pardon possible for us. If you're watching this today and you have made that decision to follow Jesus in your life, then you ought to be saying thank you to Jesus for what he has done. We ought to live every day thankful for what Jesus has done for us. And if you're watching today and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, I I want you to understand that this is what Jesus is all about. Okay, this, what we're talking about right now, this is what Jesus is all about. Don't be confused by what other people say. Don't be confused by what other people do. But look at what the Bible has said. Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to pay that price. Jesus died on that cross so that you could have a relationship with God. Even though it had been destroyed by sin through Jesus, you can be reconciled to God today. That is what Jesus is all about. That's still the business that Jesus is in, is reconciling a lost world to his Father. The second thing I think we can learn as we think about the cross today is I really believe the cross is something that reminds me and it shows me that Jesus understands the struggles of our lives. Jesus, when we look at the cross, Jesus understands the struggles of our lives. In in Hebrews chapter 14, verses 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who was ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not, this is the key words here, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you ever wonder if anybody understands you? Do you ever wonder if anybody gets you? Do you ever wonder if anybody understands your struggles? Well, I don't don't know about anybody else. 
But what I do know is that Jesus does. Jesus understands our struggles. And, and so many of the problems that we face, so many of the, the issues that we are dealing with, I believe Jesus understands completely. And many of them I think he even dealt with that day on the cross. Have you ever had people disappoint you? I think Jesus understands that. Do you ever feel alone? Do you ever feel like you're all by yourself? I think Jesus understands that. Have you ever paid the price for somebody else's poor choice? Jesus understands that. Are you ever sad because the people you love the most just don't get it? I think Jesus understands. Do you ever feel like everything you're dealing with is just too much to bear? I really believe that Jesus understands that, and Jesus understands you, and he understands me. You know, this Good Friday, what we think about Jesus dying on the cross, the devil meant it to destroy Jesus and to destroy his followers. But this should allow us to draw closer to him because it wasn't the death of following Jesus. It was really the birth of following Jesus. And so Jesus understands our struggles. He understands our pains, and he wants to help each one of us as we struggle to get through each and every day. The third thing that I, I want to mention today about the cross is this. The cross is an indicator of just how much God loves us. The cross is an indicator of just how much God loves us. Like, I, I read the story of the cross to you, and I, I don't know if that means anything to you or it moves you in any way, but what today should do is it should show you just how much God loves you. Because it's so easy to say, I love you, but it's, one, it's another thing to actually do something about it. And God did something about his love for us. 1 John 4, verses 7 through 10. Say, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The cross shows us just how much our heavenly father loves us. If you've doubted that in the past, I, I encourage you today to put those doubts aside and to understand just how much God loves you. You know, I, I really believe there's lots of false impressions of who God is in this world. But what we remember today is truly who God is. God is love, and because of his great love, he sent Jesus to make an atonement for us, an atonement that you and I aren't capable of doing for ourselves. There's so many other things about God that honestly I don't understand, and I have a hard time understanding this. Like, how could he possibly love us so much? But I know that that's what the Bible tells us, and I know that that's what the cross shows us. He loves me, and he loves you, and that's why he sent Jesus. That's the message of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, Lord, for what you have done for us. Lord, I pray that the message of the cross would be at the heart of everything that we do as your followers. Lord, that, that we would show the world around us your love. But Lord, today as we reflect, we just say thank you. Thank you for what you've done for us. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live each day for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. You forget all.